This is Steve Balton. You are here on My Turning Point, where this week, a really fun conversation with special guest Kat Von D, who has just released her debut album. But as we talk about, music's been part of her whole life, from playing piano as a kid to today. It's a really interesting conversation about her influences, why this was the time to make the album, songwriting, and so much more. Hope you enjoy this one as much as we did. So where are you today? Where's home these days? Are you LA-based still? Yeah, I'm here in, in, in L.A. I live in Hancock Park. Nice. Down in Long Beach. You're in Long Beach? Yes. Oh, cool. Where it's nice and gray and overcast today. Yeah, same. Nice. My favorite. All right, so, you know, I always hate to start with obvious, but this is interesting to me. I've heard the record. It's wonderful. You know, this is such an interesting thing. I've talked about this with so many people over the years, right? And it's like you become successful in one endeavor. Yeah. And, but you've always had these other passions. And it's funny, like Brandon Boyd and Serge Tankian, for example, are both friends. And we've talked about them as musicians who painted before they, you know, ever became successful as musicians. Right. Or Jared Leto and I talked about the fact, you know, obviously he became well-known as an actor first, but he was a musician well before he became an actor. Yeah. So- how far back does this musical dream of yours go? Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of the same in the sense that I, I've been playing the piano since I was five years old, actually. Um, my grandmother was a pianist and she classically trained myself and my siblings. So, um, you know, we grew up on a, a healthy diet of Mozart, Beethoven and Chopin. Um, and, you know, very strict, resented my parents for it. And now I'm so great, grateful that they actually did that because it's a, you know, I wouldn't be here if, I, if it wasn't for for that. Um, so yeah, I've always loved music, you know, and then I, I discovered punk rock music um, into my early teens and, and then metal and post-punk stuff. So, um, so yeah, music has always been the driving force behind everything. You know, when you look at my tattooing, when you look at the books that I've written or even the makeup line that I, I launched, um, so much is inspired by music. See, it's so funny. So what made this the right time then? What was sort of the turning point where you say, okay, now is the time though to, to, you know, sort of make that public and and start to pursue it on my own. Well, you know, I've been teasing out um, making this album for the last 10 years. So my fans have been so awesome and being patient and waiting uh, because, you know, I I wrote this album 10 years ago and then started producing it uh, throughout the years and then finally finished it this year. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it is actually the right time to. Re- re- I feel like it's probably one of the worst times to to release music. But <laughs> but, uh, but I feel that like I I just don't have any interest in waiting any longer. So la- a year and a half ago, I I sold my makeup line uh, strategically to be able to have time to be able to release the music and go on tour. And then obviously a year ago, everybody's lives got turned upside down and we were all just put to a halt. So t- we were supposed to go on tour last fall. Um, and so we've just kind of been in this waiting cell and now we're finally going to be able to go on tour in September. Nice. You know, it's so funny how you say, you don't know, it's, it's interesting though that this record was written 10 years ago mm-hmm. because I've talked to so many artists who had so much time during COVID to be like, all right, cool. I can write, you know, now yeah. I have time to sit and write 24 fucking hours a day. I have nothing yeah. else to do. So, so were you, did you write a lot during this time or were you focused yeah, well, on the music actually- you already had? 
when the lockdown first happened, um, my my two synth players moved in with me. We have a, like a two bedroom bungalow in our, our in the back, and so they brought over their cats and their synthesizers. And so that's when we actually um, ended up producing all of the music. We t- we we spent the first two months uh, just remixing everything. And so um, yeah, and the, and it's now it's in the final state that it is now that it's been released. But there are different versions of the album that had been, that had been produced within the last ten years. But I feel that like the the version that's out now, it just feels like this. It's what it's supposed to sound like. It's it's it lives where it's supposed to live. And that and then that's mainly in part because my band and I did it together. So that's so interesting as well because I always look at things from the standpoint of being a writer, and it's fascinating when you so you say most of these songs were written ten years ago, correct? Yeah. So it's interesting then. Obviously, so much happens in that time period. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, you know, like like these all these songs are written about a very specific person in a very specific dysfunctional relationship, and I don't think about that person anymore. Obviously, I'm happily married. You know, I have a beautiful son, but I still enjoy singing these songs, and I still, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm very proud of them. So, but but I think if you talk to anybody, even whether they're musicians or writers, you know, that's part of the the process. You know, you process things by writing them out and then and then you move through so i think you'd be hard pressed to find a musician that still feels the way they felt when they wrote their first album well but what's interesting about it then is you bring different life experience to it and what happens is the songs kind of change so are there songs for you on this record that now you look on differently with the 10 years to look back on them well no no i mean i think i I know specifically what what they were written about and that hasn't changed the lyrics haven't changed um, but I see it more like a tattoo, you know, I think when you get a tattoo, uh, it celebrates a certain landmark in time and, you know, years later you might look back on the tattoo and you might not feel the same way, but it's still the same tattoo, you know? So it's not that, um, it, it's not that the interpretation of the lyrics have changed in any way. Um, you know, they're, they're very, they're pointing to a very specific time. And I think that's cool. You know, I think that's like, it's like a, an era of my life that's been encapsulated into a, into an album. No, it makes sense because, um, you know, again, so many artists will say that an album is like a snapshot yeah. of what's going on at that period. So, so again, just obvious question, but like you say, you're in a very different place. You're happily married with a son. Yeah. So are you, are you writing about that period now? Um, we actually did start writing again, but I don't, even if I, I wanted to, I don't think I would, I could write a happy love song, you know, like <laughs> I love melancholy and uh, frustration, but I, you know, we are really pushing ourselves to write in a more aggressive manner this time. I think that the, this first album is beautiful and it's sad and very soft. And I think for the second album, we really want to, you know, just take a little bit more of an aggressive approach. All right. So, so obvious questions. I talk about this with people all the time too. And I actually did this as a Forbes question, the mm-hmm. saddest song of all time. But then before we come to that, the happiest song of all time, because it is, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a very interesting Rorschach test. You go for the sad, like where do yeah. you lean as a person? Sad or happy? Yeah. So what for you is the happiest song of all time? Okay, happiest? Oh my God, I don't know. Let's see. Um, I can't even think of any, like I'm, I'm just going through the Rolodex of songs in my iTunes library and I'm like, I just don't listen to happy music, do I? Well, you know what? Hollow Notes, but you know, Hollow Notes, they, they, they're, they're kind of sad too, actually. Uh, I mean, Your Kiss is on my list is like, I guess that's a happy song, isn't it? Yeah, that's funny. I was listening to that. I heard that yesterday on uh, Yacht Rock on Sirius. So yeah. yes, it's 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 very yeah. much a happy song. I mean, it's it's upbeat, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
And I, I mean, mean, it literally has the word bliss in the song. Yeah, I mean, totally. You're how, right. How can a song that has the word bliss in it not be fucking happy? You're right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like your kiss is on my list. That's yeah. my bliss. So it's like, yeah. if it was like your kiss, you know, is like, I don't know, my fucking yeah. angst, then no, probably yeah. not happy. But yeah. <laughs> all right. And so what's your favorite sad song of all time? Um, I don't know of all times, but one of my favorite sad love songs would be um, Climbing Up the Walls by Radiohead. Okay. It's funny. So wait, Grohl is on this album, correct? Yeah. So he actually, we recorded, um, he did all the live drums on this album and on the original, the original um, recordings. And so I, I got that produced in London with Adam Noble, who produced my favorite placebo records amongst other albums. And so, but then obviously when we had the lockdown, my bandmates moved in and we, we remixed everything. So we are planning on releasing the, the Grohl mix, or I don't want to call it the Grohl mix because they're the Adam Noble mixes um, that include Grohl and a few other actual guest artists on, on, on that. And I think we're doing that next year. Well, no, the reason I ask you is it's funny because his, his answer to saddest song of all time is one of my favorite answers of all time. He's, it was uh, All By Myself by Eric Carmen. He's like, oh my God, oh, yeah. He's like, that song clears out a fucking room. That's true. That, you know what? That is so true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I love the fact, by the way, though, too, you reference placebo. That's not a band you hear all the time. Oh, I love placebo. Yeah, I mean, they're, uh, yeah, I mean, lyric wise, sound wise, I, I'm a huge fan. So uh, let's come back to the writing on this for a second. And and you know, I'm also a big believer that good writing is subconscious. So when you go back and and even when you wrote it first ten years ago, were there things that emerged in the writing that surprised you? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think. It's interesting, like I reflect a lot now, especially now having released this this album. It's like uh, there's songs like I Am Nothing and where, you know, I can't help but be a little bit proud of myself that I'm not that person anymore. You know, there was like uh, there's a, a difference between or a fine line between being vulnerable and pathetic. And I was definitely towing the line on that. You know, I feel like uh, those feelings of just um, not being worthy of somebody that most likely wasn't deserving of my love to begin with. And so, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I, sometimes people trip out that I would be singing about the, those types of vulnerable things, assuming that, that I, I'm not, I'm somehow immune to, to that type of heartbreak, which is not the case. And I mean, that's the beautiful thing about love. It doesn't give a fuck who you are, you know, and or heartbreak, you know? So, um, so yeah, I think some, some of that, you know, it's, I, I, when I started writing, there wasn't anything, I wasn't saying like, okay, this song will be about this. I just wrote what I felt. Um, this album was also in response to another album um, that somebody had written me. So, uh, you know, I just, it's, it's interesting. I feel like looking back now, it was such a dysfunctional mess, but you know, but there's, there's beautiful things that come from that. Well, like the art. Yeah. No, it's interesting that you say that though, because this has come up a lot of late and, you know, I think good writing has to be vulnerable. And I think that's what audiences yeah, connect with is when you open yourself up. So yeah. and I was discussing this recently, like Ryan Tedder, for example, uh, someone else that I just interviewed, uh, Dan Reynolds from Magic Dragons, we were talking about this. So cool. for you, when you, as you go back and look at your own stuff and putting yourself out there in this way, are there albums that sort of are the benchmark for you in vulnerability or that you look back on and say, okay. I appreciate what they did there. And I can see where maybe either consciously or subconsciously that inspires me. Hmm. I mean, well, I think when, when writing a song, I'm never uh, trying to emulate something that's existing. You know, we don't, 
especially with sound design or even lyrics, like, you know, we're not trying to um, reproduce something that's been done. Um, but I think that obviously there are musicians that, that impact everybody, you know, you're influenced by something. And I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Depeche Mode and The Cure. And, um, you know, I've always loved, like when it comes to Depeche Mode, there's like, you know, they're, they're such masters at analog synthesizers, but then Dave Kahan's voice is still soulful. There's still cracks. There's still, you know, um, uh, you know, there's just that human fingerprint that I, that I love so much. And as far as the lyrics go, I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely songs that you're like, damn it. I wish, I wish I would, I would have written that, you know? Um, and yeah, but I don't know if it's necessarily something that you're like striving for. Like, I'm not trying to, um, write the same way as, as somebody else. Right. No, that makes total sense. But I'm curious then just as a writer, what are, what are a couple of the songs that you wish you had written? Oh, uh, like from Depeche Mode, you mean? Or just either Depeche one or whoever, you know? Oh my God. There's so many. Um, your kiss is on my list. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not an easy feat to actually hey man, write no, a happy listen, song. Hollow Notes is, you, go, you come on, you can't, you can't, you can't fuck with them. I mean, that's, they're, they're great. They're, per, they're perfection in so many ways. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, the entire disintegration album by the cure is, uh, you know, has to be one of my top, top favorite albums of all time. Uh, so yeah. I mean, Robert Smith has always been such a poet in that sense. Um, I'm a huge fan of concrete blonde too. And I think John at Napolitano is an amazing poet. I love her her lyrics and, um, and also her, her vocal character, you know, so, um, people like that. Yeah. I love, okay. Wait, that's amazing that you said that because I grew up in LA. So yeah, if you grew up in LA, you know, concrete blonde was just the shit. It's yeah. funny. Like I went back in and this happens to me all the time where you'll go back and like rediscover a song. Probably yeah. will is like one of the best fuck you LA oh, yeah. songs that ever was written. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's just so many, I mean, to me, they're like gems, you know, like um, Someday, uh, Caroline. I mean, all of that stuff. That whole like, Bloodletting album is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's so good. Yeah. No, I love the fact that you say that because that's another band that's just never like, I don't know. No one ever remembers. Yeah, I do. <laughs> all right. So, you know, it's interesting too, obviously. So, okay, wait. So for all the collaborations then that are on this record, Linda Perry, who's been a friend for a long time. Yeah. Dave, I've interviewed, um, yeah. you know, like, I mean, so, so are those on this mix then, or will those then be on the, so, so I, when I first started writing, I started writing with Linda Perry and we wrote over 22 songs together. Um, I think uh, seven of which are on this album, maybe six or seven of them. And, uh, and so she was really, you know, my introduction into songwriting, which is such a great person to lead you through that, you know, um, especially coming from like the classical world that I came from she was like, Hey, that's going to be your biggest challenge is like breaking this inability to be imperfect. Like it's okay to fuck up. And, you know, I was just so used to always having to be per perfect on time. And, and, um, and you know, that's, that's why I do envy people like little Richard who can just sit down and play their feelings. And versus well, for me, I would always have to, if I wanted to play a sad song, I would have to find the sheet music to that, you know? And so she really, she really helped break me of that, um, that perfectionism, I guess you would say. And obviously those, those songs are on the record as well. Um, you know, I wrote um, a song with Danny Lohner from Nine Inch Nails. 
Um, and then I did a duet with Peter Murphy from Bauhaus and I'm a huge Bauhaus fan. So Bauhaus and even Peter Murphy's solo stuff has been like the cornerstone of my musical upbringing, you know? And so I feel like, um, you know, just to be in the same sentence with him, let alone be able to do a song was like such a, such an honor, but that was one of the, one of the two songs on the album that I didn't write because Peter actually wrote all the lyrics and the melodies for that. And, uh, which I was happy, happy to follow along. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great song. I mean, as I said, I've heard the whole record and it's interesting too. I mean, you know, when you like, when you get to be around people like that, and as I said, I've known Linda for years and years and years, yeah. you know, I mean, talk about, you mentioned obviously her breaking you of the perfectionism. Yeah. But for everyone that you're around, whether it's Danny, whether it's Dave, yeah. you learn things from them. So yeah. are there things that, what were the things that you learned in the making of this record that really, one, you know, like, what were the biggest lessons you learned, but two, that you also then start to think about taking to future records? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, that's, those are hard questions to answer, really. I mean, uh, I think, I mean, well, first of all, I have a problem with getting too emotionally involved with people that I work with. Like, I tend, I, I really... And, I, and it's not something that I necessarily want to change. You know, I love bonding and feeling like it's a family experience because I don't know, maybe because I've lacked so much of that in my own childhood, but, but uh, I think that I, with this next record, I'm excited because I don't think it's going to take as long because a lot of things that took a long time was me depending on, on friends that I wanted to bring along on the ride, you know, like, but especially when it came to pro producers, like, um, you know, tr just, um, without naming names, it's just like people who had a lot of emotional baggage and that were taking too long. Whereas I'm, I tend to be a workhorse. Like I love to see things through from finish to end. And, um, once I start, I don't really like to stop, you know, whereas I think someone who's, who might be a, a bit emotional or unhinged in some ways might take a, a little bit longer. And so I think, uh, I'm excited to, for this next record, now that I kind of have this like really solid team with my band, and, you know, I, I worked really closely with Dan Hay from Gunship, who I'm a huge fan of, of that synthwave band from the UK. And they were the ones that actually mixed the record. So I feel like we just have like the perfect team in mind. Now it's just a matter of writing the songs and starting to produce them. Well, it makes sense. And obviously, again, you know, like the other thing that comes up too is that I talked about this with someone the other day. is like, look, you have your whole life to make your first album. And then yeah. once it's done, it's like, okay. Yeah, you what? can only have your first one once. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. for you, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like, okay, you also waited so long to be able to tour for this. Yeah. When you get to the stage in September, and uh -huh. I know you just did an event here in LA. Yeah. What are the one, like, what's the, like, what are the songs that you are most excited to bring to a stage? Because the other thing too is, right, when you play songs live, they change. Oh, it's different. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and I'm like a huge fan of really visual storytelling. So like one of my biggest pet pieces, if you go to a concert and you see like one of your favorite bands and they're just standing at the mic and that's it. It's like, you might as well have stayed home and listened to the record. So I really love like showmanship, you know, um, like when I watch kiss play, it's like, it's a production and there's effort and there's costuming and things like that. Um, obviously we're, I, I'm not trying to, to, to bring back that, but, um, but I want to do it in my own way, you know? And so I do have a contortionist in my band, Bryn, who's an amazing athlete and, you know, we've been able to choreograph pieces of songs or parts of songs to create these moments on stage that I think are going to be so beautiful and, and really like bring the music to a whole different level. You know, I think one thing is like to have the sonic aspect of presentation, but then there's the visual aspect. So I teamed up with Linda Strawberry from 
she's she she does like art direction for or she's like the creative director for like all Smashing Pumpkins live shows and a few other pretty cool bands and her and I we we are kindred spirits in the sense that we like love the dark darker side of things you know finding beauty in the darker things and so we've actually been filming vignettes that would will play on these large LED panels for each song and um so there's there's intention and storytelling behind every moment in the show so I'm pretty pretty excited about that that's really cool. What you mentioned, Kiss, but it's funny because I mean, are there other artists then that that sort of become a visual benchmark? Or they like? Do you remember being a kid? And it's funny you grew up playing classical music, but I'm sure you were going yeah. to rock shows. What what were those first shows you saw? Where you're well, like, well, I mean, I, I I went. My first shows were like punk rock shows that that had zero effort put into the, you know, maybe into the hair, but that's about it. But you know, like a good example would be like Cigarettes. You know, um, we obviously don't sound or look or do, we don't have much in common with them as a band, but but I'm, I'm a huge fan of their music. But I remember the first time seeing them at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion and it was, um, you know, they they just played this beautiful montage of footage that they shot. And uh, and it just, it's like the footage itself made you want to weep and it, it, and it went so perfectly with the music. And and so I, I always, you know, that that those moments really stuck in my mind. And, um, you know, the reason I, I say kiss just because they're obviously over the top but I'm not looking to do, um, you know, there needs to be a certain sense of sincerity. You know, it's not just uh, playing dress up, you know. And the great thing is that my bandmates, this is how we dress every day. It's not really a costume. You know, we just might amplify it a little bit for the stage shows. There might be a little bit more nudity than there would be, you know, going to the grocery store. But that's about it. <laughs> so you won't be spitting up blood and wearing demon faces. No, we're not going to be like Guar and vomiting on the front row. <laughs> <laughs> But we might throw glitter. We might throw some kind of gold or, or red metallic confetti. We'll see. <laughs> that, you know, that's such a cool thing, though, too, is like, do you feel like right now, because this is something you've wanted to do for so long, and even going back, forget about the fact that you started playing when you were five, even the idea yeah. of 10 years ago, do you feel like right now you are appreciating it so much more because it's something that you've worked for a long time oh, to sure. get to? For sure. And also, too, I think just like landing like the the perfect chemistry of bandmates is like a, it's really huge for me. You know, I've been on tour with my friends and with my exes for years now and seeing the dynamic of the bitter jaded musician. It's like, I've always felt that that was such a, there was such a lack of gratitude, you know, because I look at every opportunity to spend time with my bandmates and create music and to be able to sing out loud as like such a privilege. And, and to me, it's just very exciting. And I, and maybe I'm, the most excited out of all of them, but I think, I think we're all equally as excited um, to share the stage. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's great. But, you know, I've also been like, like um, I'm not scared of fans. Like I love my fans. I've always been very interactive with them, even within my own book tours. Like I remember meeting upwards of two to 5,000 people a day and hugging each and every single person and taking pictures. And so to me that there's like a, a deep connection that I have with, our followers. And, and so I look forward to that. Whereas I have a lot of musician friends that really are like, you know, allergic to that. And it's like, Oh, I embrace all of it really, you know? And then, you know, there's the production aspect, you know, like I, I was filming TV shows since I was 20, 21, 22 years old. And I've always become instant friends with production. Like I love my audio guys and my, you know, my, my DPs and everything. So I, 
I, I love that um, carny lifestyle. You know, a lot, a lot of the stuff that happens behind the curtains is equally as exciting to me as it is on the other side. No, absolutely. And I love that you say that, but it's interesting too, because I mean, <laughs> trust me, I've interviewed every motherfucking dysfunctional band yeah. that ever was. Yeah, and, yeah. And, I hate and they're most dysfunctional, but it's interesting because one thing I find as well talking with people is like, as you get older, you tend to appreciate it more and you get less jaded and because yeah. you realize that it's not going to last. And even no yeah. matter how successful you've been, you've still experienced those lows. So do you yeah. feel like you're at a place right now in life where you can appreciate it more? Because again, you've also had success in other worlds. So it's yeah. like, you understand, you know. Um, you know, I think it's, I mean, I've always lived that way in the sense of like, you know, today could be your last day. So it's not a matter of getting older. I just think it's like, this is, you know, every day is a choice to, to be grateful and I'm super grateful. And I don't want to sound cliche or anything because, um, that might put a dent in my cool, my, my goth cool. But, uh, but you know, I, I, I am pretty, um, I'm a pretty happy go lucky person. And, um, and yeah, and it's like, I always think of like what the worst case scenario is, is like the worst case scenario is that we, we die and then we won't care cause we'll be dead, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's going to be okay. No matter what, you know, I love the way that you put it though. You're, you're goth cool. Right. Yeah. And it's like, but like, as you mentioned the bet, the vulnerability on this record too, yeah. it's like, it's an interesting thing as well. Do you feel like music for you is a way to show, okay, your cat is distracting the fuck out of me. I know, anyway. sorry. No, sorry. it's all good. Actually, unfortunately, my cat just, uh, 12 and a half years just passed and he would do the same oh, thing. I Sit feel you, that, that, that happened. My, my Piaf passed away uh, last year and he was my golden child. I love all my cats, but I definitely loved him the most. And, and so he would do I, the same where he would just literally come sit on my lap in the interviews. Yeah. And so I'm watching this and I'm like, uh, dude, this is killing me. But yes, <laughs> no, it's all good. But so what I was going to say is, you know, do you feel like music is a way too? Cause I go back to, for example, interviewing Jared, I mentioned earlier, right? Letter, yeah. Who's a friend yeah. of like when you're playing a part in a movie, you're doing someone else's words. This exactly. is as a musician, this is you. This is you putting yeah. yourself out there. And it's probably the most vulnerable way that you can communicate. So for you, is it also exciting to be able to show a different side of yourself, whether yes, it's definitely. the vulnerability or whatever? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's like I you know, I went on tour um two years ago with IMX because I sang on their last record a few songs. And, uh, you know, it was very intentional or strategic. I wanted to go out because I knew I was getting prepared to go on tour. And I was like, okay, let's get um, a little bit of experience under my belt. And, you know, singing other people's song is one thing, but being able to sing your own, it's like, it's a whole other world. And um, there are moments when I feel it more than I'm, and I think like no one else could feel this the way that, uh, that I do. I mean, it's interesting. We, we talked about Linda Perry earlier. It's like, I remember watching her perform that song, Beautiful, just her on piano and a cello player. It was at like a private event once. And I was like, that was the first time I ever heard her sing it. I've obviously heard Christina Aguilar's version, but I remember coming from her, from her voice and her heart was like, oh no, no, no. You were supposed to sing this song. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, like it's, it's, it's a, it's a different interpretation, you know? And um, yeah. So I think, I think there's something special to be said about being able to sing your own songs. All right. So we'll make these last couple of questions, but one, well, one now yeah. I have to ask as a fan. Like we talked about the touring thing, right? Yeah. You mentioned Cure, Depeche Mode, Radiohead, different bands. Who would be your dream artist to tour with in the sense of someone that you not only would, you know, like you feel would be a good match, but also that you would just want to stand on the side of the stage on a nightly basis and watch? Huh. I don't know. I mean, people have asked me that and I, I wish I had an interesting answer because I'm, we are planning on going on tour with my husband's band Prayers. And to me, that just feels like the best 
combination. I, I, we were actually talking to this with our friends from Cold Cave the other day because they were like, yeah, we've kind of toured with every band we've ever really wanted to tour. And now it's like, who do we tour with next that hasn't been played out or hasn't, you know, or that has good chemistry that, you know, that the music not flatters, but it coincides with what you're doing, you know, cause there's a lot, a lot of times I feel like they mix bands that they shouldn't, you know, that don't really complement each other. But, um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm definitely fans of a lot of bands, but I'm not sure which ones would be great to tour with, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know if I have a good answer for that. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, you could also yeah. say like Bauhaus, that would be a good one. I know. But then, it, then a part of me says like, like I'm not worthy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so, you know, we talked uh, again about the, the writing and also, um, you know, coming from the standpoint of, of getting to show people a different side of you, what would be the cool, like, what's the, what's the one thing, the one or two things that, you know, maybe will surprise people most who listen to this yeah. album about you? Well, I think a lot of people are, were expecting me to come out with a metal album, you know, because obviously I've, I love metal. I've been listening to it forever. Most of my friends are in metal bands, but I feel like, you know, when I listen to Arch Enemy, like Elisa's voice is amazing. I could never sing that way, nor would I even pretend that I could. And I just feel like that's not really where my heart sits, you know? So I, you know, going back to what you were saying about like the act of being vulnerable, it's like, um, I am excited to show people the other side because, uh, you know, my exterior looks like I'm a vampire that could hang out like on railroad tracks or something, you know, but, but, uh, but I, I do, I am a softie at heart, you know, I'm, I'm a hopeless romantic. And, um, and I think it's evident in the music that I write. Yeah. Is there one song from this record that kind of, again, going back to the writing being subconscious and you yeah. talked about the fact that it's a snapshot, but as you say, in terms of sort of being a softie, is there one song that surprised you the most? Um, hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think when I listen to songs like, like Vanish, that one is, is um, probably the most vulnerable that I'll, that, that I could ever be really, you know, like um, talking about the fear of failing in front of people. And um, it's something that people can relate to, I think, but um, yeah. And I am talking more about love in, in the sense of failing within love because uh, I, I, I'm not one that's afraid of failing. I've failed on many things in my life and, um, but, and that's how we grow. But I think, uh, I think it's, so much, it's so much different when, when you fail in love. You know? There's so many people that stay within relationships for far too long because of the fear of failure. And um, I never want to be that person again. You know. Uh, by the way, last question, I promise, but this is fascinating yeah. me as a fan. What, what is the one song on your playlist that you listen to that would surprise people the most? Hmm. Um, Since you are romantic at heart, which as you say, would surprise people. What's yeah. I don't know what would surprise people anymore. I think, I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Kylie Minogue, <laughs> which I don't think uh, people would think that I would listen to Kylie Minogue, but I feel like there's a, there's a few songs that she wrote writes that like lyric lyrics. I'm like, wow, this is pretty, pretty deep. You wouldn't think of for, you know, something so dancey, but um, there's a song called one that I remember reading the lyrics going, who wrote this? That this, this, Kylie couldn't have written this. <laughs> it was pretty no, dark. I'm a big fan. I, she's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Yep. Cool. 
Cool. What do you want to add? I did not ask you about. Is there anything that we did oh, not nothing. cover? I, mean, I, I know. I just was going to say thank you for all the really cool questions. I mean, I've been doing nothing but interviews, and this was by far one of my favorite interviews. So thank you. <laughs> no, it's a pleasure to talk to you. It's a lot of fun. And as I say, it's funny because I mean, again, I know coming from this from knowing so many people, it, it's yeah. like so many people are like, okay, well, now you're successful. So you want to do something different. No, I, I know these dreams have been there for, you know, yeah. day one. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Thank you. Cool. Nice talking with you. Awesome. Have a good one. Thanks. All right, bye. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You've been listening to My Turning Point with special guest Kat Von D. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.